Welcome to Sage Bell Conlon. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Nick Hyde. Hey guys, why don't you start a, just a short series over a couple of weeks talking about our prayer life. And I want to challenge us maybe to reassess and to consider a bit of an upgrade. I know this will date us forever. You know, this is video technology that could be accessed at any time. But here, let's date this video forever. Uh, And what we have is the week that the iPhone 12 has come out. And there's all these people, you know, thinking about upgrading and there's new features and things. And uh, there'll be, you know, operating system upgrades and things. It's funny how so many things in our life are updating, upgrading. And uh, whether you're on the bandwagon with that or not, I want to just encourage you not to just leave your spiritual life on autopilot. I think we need to, there's things we need to give attention to. We need to give attention to our key relationships. If you're married, then invest in your marriage. You know, choose your your friends wisely. Be diligent and intentional about uh, the way you relate to your kids uh, if you have them. There's key things that we just let sit in the background on autopilot. Um, and, and so I want to encourage you, hey, it's, it's October, we are in the final stretch of, of one of the craziest years ever. Let's not just kind of end at how it ends, let's upgrade, let's refresh, let's revitalize our prayer life. And uh, I want to give you, uh, um, I guess, some encouragement today. And in particular, we're going to look at what we can glean over the next couple of weeks from how Jesus prayed. Let's have a look at how the master prayed as we are followers of his, apprentices of Jesus. Let's get good. Let's, let's dig into uh, the way we can learn from him uh, when it comes to prayer. Now, I want to acknowledge up front, hey, as soon as I start talking about this, there's like little light bulbs going off. Some people are going, yes, prayer is my thing. Other people are like getting really shifting uncomfortably in your seats right now, trying not to look at around the room if you're at a watch party because you know that your prayer life is something that you, you want to work on. And literally, I, I bet every single one of us would answer the question, you know, do I want to uh, pray better? Do I, do I want a better prayer life? I think we would all be saying, yes, I do, no matter where we find ourselves. I also know that there's often a lot of guilt that, that creeps into this part of our world. And I want to just encourage you to, to even give your prayer life to the Holy Spirit. Actually say, Holy Spirit, you're praying about your prayer life. Holy Spirit, just help me to get the right balance between, I don't want to be live under condemnation. Don't let this be a heavy guilt, shame kind of scenario for you. If there's some work to do, allow the Holy Spirit to convict and prompt you, okay? That, that is a much sharper, clearer thing than this sense of condemnation that the Bible says is not a part of God's plan for us. Condemnation is this heavy feeling that we're not making it, we're not cutting it, and we'll never get there. Conviction is the discovery of things that are not as they should be and the empowerment to work on those areas. So let's just agree up front, I'm going to refresh, I'm going to update, I'm going to upgrade, I'm going to grow in my prayer life. In fact, I want to challenge even this idea of a prayer life. How about we live a prayerful life instead of just have a prayer life? Because having a prayer life makes it feel like, well, it's just something that I do at a certain uh, you know, once a week, or it's just something that gets robotic and mechanical. And while I do want to talk about how to be focused and intentional about our, our the way we pray, I don't want to limit it just to this one uh, moment, okay? Um, so I, I'm, I might sound like I'm contradicting myself there, but, but just come with me on the journey a little bit. Let's live an incredibly prayerful life. You see, 
if I was to try and get a feel for your life, there's a few key questions I'd ask, or there's a few places that I would go. If I didn't really know you and really quickly wanted to get an idea of who you are and what you're about, I, I would have looked at your calendar as one thing. Now, I know this year has blown up everybody's calendars, so maybe we won't use that one as much. But I would have looked at where you're spending your time. Uh, another thing I'd, I would do is, if you would let me, I would look at your bank statement. I'd look at your credit card statement, your direct debit transactions. I would just, where I see your resources going will tell me a lot about your priorities, okay? Another way, and, and this is kind of commonly said, is show me a person's friends and I'll, show me a man's friends, I'll show you the man. All right, so, so let me meet some of your friends. Let me, let me assess some of the key relationships in your world. I'll get a great sense about uh, who you are. And here's another thing I want to I throw out there and challenge you, is that I really believe the transcript of your prayer life will show the trajectory of your life. The sort of words you use, the sound, the frequency of your prayer life will actually show me the trajectory of your life. It'll show me where you are heading. The way you pray is incredibly revealing of your theology. It's incredibly revealing of what that means is how you see God, what you understand about who God is, how he works, who you are and how you are a part of his plan. If you're, if you're coming to God in prayer, always on the back foot, feeling like you have to grovel and you're not worthy and you shouldn't be there, then you're, you're, you're actually missing a part of the picture that God invites you into his presence because of what Jesus Christ has done. Yes, we need to be keeping short accounts, seeking forgiveness in our lives and, and, and living for God's glory. But what I'll discover is the way that you pray will give me an insight into the way you see yourself and the way you see God. It's fascinating, and this might sound like a strange idea, but to listen to yourself, to learn the patterns, to discern the, the habits of your communication. I don't know if you've ever looked around your home, maybe in your friendship circles, and say, boy, we speak in a particular way. Maybe there's a language culturally. Maybe there's some, some slang or some vernacular that others may not even understand uh, you know, in your family or amongst your friends. Even in our prayer life, there are ways that habits we fall into. And I want to just challenge you to rethink some of that stuff and to bring it before God. So let's talk a little more specifically uh, about having a, a prayerful life. And uh, I, want to, I want to give you this thought. Ha have you ever been able to hang out with or get to know somebody uh, impressive, someone maybe you've admired, seen from a distance, had a moment to meet them, or maybe even start to, to build a bit of a relationship with them, um, and, and really started to discover how it is that they perform at a high level, what makes them tick? Have you ever looked at somebody and thought, if I could ask them one question, hey, if I could ask that sports person one question about the way they achieve, that musician, that actor, that successful person, that, that person I admire, if I could ask them one thing, what might it be? I had one of those moments a long time ago, and I just muffed it. I didn't have the question ready. So just like arm yourself with a good, always have one of those in the back of your mind, just in case you get one of those moments. And, and so I wonder, what if you had one, one question with Jesus, if you had one thing to ask him about, what would it be? If you were thinking about all that Jesus did and said, what is it that you'd want a little bit of inside uh, info on? And I have to tell you, it's fascinating 
uh, about Jesus is that these disciples who spent time with him, who walked with him, who journeyed with him, uh, what they asked of him after traveling with him and seeing miracles and preaching and healing, uh, what is it that his disciples asked of him? Well, we get this in, in most of the Gospels and in, in Luke chapter 11, we will look at it today. Uh, the, the disciples say to Jesus, teach us how to pray. That's what they wanted to know. When they looked at all that Jesus did, it wasn't, hey, Jesus, how do, we, how do we walk on water? How do we do these particular miracles? How do we get these sort of particular things sorted? No, no, no. It was teach us how to pray. And just like I said earlier, that I think the transcript of your prayer life will show the trajectory of your life. That is such a brilliant question. Lord, teach us how to pray. We can ask that. We can ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us in our prayer life. And we can even look today through the Word and get a bit of an idea about how Jesus prayed. We're going to look at Luke chapter 11, in particular verses 1 to 13. We cover uh, the Lord's, what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer here. And we'll also see a couple, of, uh, a couple of other encouragements around prayer. You might be familiar with one of them where Jesus talks about asking seeking and knocking and then there's a a funny story about prayer here uh, that Jesus uses and uh, what I want to do is is read through some of this scripture and then come back and uh, dig in a little bit so if we were to look uh, right up at Luke chapter uh, 11 in the New Living Translation we'll look at this once Jesus was in a certain place praying you can just sort of take note of the language there when Jesus was in a certain place praying And as he finished, one of his disciples came and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, pray like this. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation. You might, uh, you know, from your childhood, you might, you know, be able to recite the Lord's Prayer in one version or another. Um, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, right? You know, and on we go. Um, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen. I hope I got everything covered there Uh, you might be doing that at home or wherever you're listening to this as well goes on though then teaching them more about prayer jesus used this story suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread you say to him a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and i have nothing for him to eat and suppose he calls out from his bedroom don't bother me the door is locked for the night my family are all in bed i can't help you but i tell you this though you won't do it For friendship's sake, if you keep on knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Who would have thought that if we were writing down the keys to prayer, shameless persistence would be in there? That's a a fascinating thought there. And Jesus then says this thing that is quite well known and often quoted. So I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Wow. 
<laughs> some, some pretty fascinating illustrations and analogies here. And I'd encourage you over this coming week, why don't you just spend a bit of time in that passage, having a think, having a pray about what that looks like. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal something to you because I'm not going to dive into that today. That's just a little bit of a teaser because I want you to either tune in next week or come along uh, to one of our services in Belconnen uh, or Gungahlin as well. And we'll unpack that rest of that passage a, a little bit more together. Here today, I want to just sort of pick up on something that may not be immediately obvious. We're not going to go through line by line the patterns of prayer and those analogies. But, but I, want to, I want to look in particular at two things, where and when we pray. Where and when we pray. I originally trained at university and then spent my early working years in journalism. And so we were trained to ask key questions, right? Who, what, where, when, how, and why? Looking for these key questions to you know, help us understand what is going on. And so I want to take a bit of an observation, a look at the way Jesus prayed and actually say, well, where and, and when did uh, Jesus pray? Let me get really pointed with this, right? If someone needed to track you down, would they know where and when to find you? Like, would they be able to maybe look at your calendar and see where you'd be? Do they know where places that you frequent, right? Like someone might be able to track you down and find you if they wanted to have a conversation or get your attention. So let me ask you this. Where would God go to get your attention? Where would, where would God go if he wanted to meet with you? Now, I, I know that, that we have a, an omnipresent God, a God who is everywhere all the time. And so we don't have to just go to a particular place, right, to commune with God. There's not only one place where God will show up. The church building isn't some, uh, you know, special place where, where only God, you know, shows up here. Uh, um, but boy, does something powerful happen as we gather, as we dedicate a place and a time to, to uh, glorify God and to commune together with Him. Boy, does He show up when we set aside time and place. And what we'll, we'll find is that it's less about a particular time and a particular place. It's not like there's a right and a wrong version of this, but to have a time and a place, to, have, to be intentional, ultimately. I've discovered in my working life that having particular places that I do certain things. I don't do my best preparation, prayer, thinking about what to preach and communicate with you because I don't do my best work sitting at my desk in the office in that realm. I find I've got to go other sorts of places. And when I go to those places, and if you do creative work at all, then you, you might have come across this thinking as well, that going to a, a place that, that is designed for a particular purpose, it begins to trigger thought patterns and behaviors in you that are more conducive to that kind of work. And hey, let's have the same thinking in our in in a life of prayer. Not that we can only play, and, and this is this is where I don't want you to you know hone in too much on this. Okay, so don't, while I'm I'm at both times saying have not don't have just a prayer life, have a prayerful life, and I'm also saying have a time and place, but don't just have a time and place. What I mean is don't just say I only pray. Uh, on Sunday mornings at church or only in this particular time, at, you know, for five minutes a week. Live a prayerful life. The Bible says to pray unceasingly, but also be intentional about it. To build a pattern and a habit in your world, a baseline of prayer that, hey, you can add to, but, but, but you don't want to retreat from. I find that's what's lacking for so many of us. We might actually have grand plans. Oh, an hour a day, I'm just going to pray continually. But if we haven't built at least just a foundational level of diligence, like 
literally this attitude that, hey, God, I will meet with you at this time and place. I will expect to hear from you. What, what Jesus was saying as he taught the disciples to pray, there was a, if you read through that, look for the sense of expectation that he was creating. Jesus is talking about a prayer life, a way of approaching prayer that really expects an answer. Knock and keep on knocking. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and, keep, seek and you will find. There's this sense that as we commit ourselves, we will encounter and experience God. You know, a few chapters earlier in Luke's gospel, we discover something about Jesus. If, we're, if you're a journalist following him around and watching what he did, you would discover something uh, about Jesus that Luke records uh, in his gospel multiple times. And it's clear that there was a pattern of prayer in Jesus' life. In Luke 5, uh, chapter 16, uh, you know, we read that Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness to pray. And in fact, if you, if you look at Luke chapters 4, 5, and 6, all of those chapters literally have these sentences mentioning this sort of prayer life. In Luke 4, 42, in Luke 5, 16, and in Luke 6, 12, that's some homework. I'm not going to have time to read all of those out to you today. But though all of those passages, we read about Jesus going off, separating himself, going to what's often called a desolate place, to pray and to seek God. And this includes, fascinating, immediately before he chose those who would be called his disciples. He spent the night in prayer, came down off the mountain and said, you guys are the ones who are going to follow me and be closest to me. You know, in, in Matthew 14 as well, uh, verse 23, and Mark 6, verse 46, we see, we see another mention of, of Jesus retreating to pray alone on a mountain in the midst of a tumultuous time. In these passages of scripture is the death of John the Baptist, one of Jesus's relatives and, and close friends, is the, it's the feeding of the 5,000, this, this huge miracle, uh, and is the walking on water uh, of Jesus. And then in one of the gospels records also Peter stepping out into that, these powerful miracles. But all of that in amongst the chaos, the drama, the excitement, Jesus is retreating to pray and these the gospel writers see this and they deliberately record it and i'm so thankful because it gives us some insights what do we want to learn from this well it's not just that we have to get the exact time and place but it talks about jesus retreating to a desolate place you know what, what, what this can look like in our world it's pretty hard to find i remember hearing a story a while back that there are very few quiet places left on this earth and they were defining a quiet place as somewhere where you can you know, go to and for a certain period of time not be exposed to, to man-made sound levels above a certain sort of decibel limit. So there's, there's very little noise interference. But there are very few places like that left on the earth. With the, the invasive technology we have these days that brings so much good with it, it also brings incredible distraction and temptation and a fight you have to make through the busyness and the noise. Prayer is not just like scrolling through a Facebook feed, firing off little thoughts in a scattered kind of, of way, and yet that's where so much of culture is going in our communication. We need time away, removed from distraction, even removed from circumstance and specific need. Many of us would be good at praying when there's a need, when there's something pressing, but are you able to create a rhythm in your world where there is prayer that's not just about need, where there's prayer that's not just about the present circumstances, but where we can seek God because we want to be with Him, not just for an answer, but for His presence. 
away from the needs and demands of others, pushing aside even our, our, our own busyness and really just seeking God. See, what happened for Jesus in these desolate places was that he received guidance and direction. He came out of these times with incredible clarity about what he's wanting to do and what God has called him to do. That has got to be one of the things that we spend, we, we, we get asked more often than anything else to pray with people about. What is God's will for my life? You're not going to find it just always bogged down in the busyness and the detail of life. Getting away and seeking God's will for our lives. We find that these were places of recovery for Jesus. After busy times, he would retreat to the mountains, to the desolate places, to pray and seek uh, the Father's will, to spend time with him. Jesus would come out of these times with a sense of vision and purpose. Jesus wasn't just getting fueled up for what he had to do. He was seeking to know what he must do. There is so much that you could do, but what must you do? What is first and foremost? Not the, the busyness, not the things that seem urgent, but the important things. The things in our that aren't screaming for our attention. Not just what could be done, but what must be done. You know, I, I want to, I guess, sort of maybe sound like I'm contradicting myself here and, and say, hey, that it, it it doesn't so much matter where and when you pray. It matters that you do. And I don't want to say there is only a time and place where you can. It's not so much about where and when, but that you have a where and when. I can't tell you where and when, but you need to find a where and when. You need to find a baseline in your world. We need to establish prayer as a rhythm and a part of the routine of our lives. We can condition our bodies and our minds with routine in all sorts of other ways. And, I, and I'm not saying get your prayer life on autopilot, but get a sense of expectation. When I go here, when I set this time aside, I meet with God. Not just I pray when I need a car park or I've got an exam coming up, but can you cut through the busyness and set aside time and space to commune with your Heavenly Father? We're going to talk about prayer for a couple of Sundays and a couple of weeks here. We're going to have, as part of that, some time for us to pray corporately as a church. You know, this coming week, pray in your groups if you're part of a connect group. Uh, In the week after, we're going to set aside some time to pray together uh, at church and encourage you to do that in different ways, maybe to pray and fast. Whatever it is that you're going to do, get intentional about a prayer life. It's just so clear if we're to take this observational view of, of Jesus' life that there was a deliberate and intentional way that Jesus prayed, uh, an intentional way that Jesus sought to relate to his heavenly Father. We'll unpack a bit more of this uh, next week and look through some of those parables and those examples. But I want to encourage you to make a commitment to grow in your relationship with God through prayer over these next couple of weeks. It doesn't matter where you're at. Maybe you're just starting out. And literally prayer for you has been this furtive, hesitant thing because you're well, maybe you don't know what it is to actually have a relationship with God. You know, is there a God who hears and is real and cares? And maybe in your desperate times, you fire off a prayer every now and then, never sure. But boy, I would love you to know for real that there is a God who hears when you pray. If you don't know that there is a personal God who loves you, who cares for you, who knows every detail of your life and is listening when you pray, 
then we would love the opportunity to introduce you to Jesus, to talk to you more about a life of faith in God. And we'd love to even pray for you and reach out to you before the end of this service and have you reach out to us. We'd love to go on that, that journey with you. But wherever you are at, whether you want to take that first step today or whether you've been a follower of Jesus, been coming to church for some period of time, there is more we can press into in our relationship with Jesus. You know, I, I spend just by default a lot of time with my wife. We're at home together. Uh, we often are working together. We travel together. There's all sorts of things that we do together. But you know what? Like, like tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Sunday, we're setting aside time and space to deliberately do something together, to, to build our relationship. We still need specific time together with an expectation that we'll grow in relationship, not just spending time around each other. Time and place are important in building any vital relationship. I want to encourage you in your relationship with God as you develop that. Let's be intentional. Let's live a prayerful life. I'm not telling you where and when, but I'm encouraging you, find a where and when. Let's grow together. Let's have an incredible journey of prayer over these coming weeks. Thanks for listening to our latest Sunday message. If you would like to find out more about our church, visit www.c3belconnen.org.au.